Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity you've given us today, Lord, to gather together and to worship you. I pray that you would focus our hearts upon you, Lord, as we hear your word. May it transform our hearts, Lord, and draw us close to you. Please place your words in my mouth, Lord, and may they speak to your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. Oh, it's nice to have the sun back, isn't it? My goodness. It's been a long winter. I mean, I love winter, but it's been a long one. Fortunately, though, we get spring skiing now for the, you know, for the next few months until summer. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I am getting ready to get on an airplane tonight and flying to North Carolina for a conference. I love flying on airplanes. Anyone else like flying on airplanes? They're, I mean, they're mostly fun, right? You know, for the most part, they're, they're great because they get you somewhere. You know how long it takes to drive to North Carolina? Yeah, it takes a long time to get there. But in an airplane, airplane matter of hours. It's amazing. It's amazing how you can get from one place to another so quickly with an airplane. And I love being up there because you can see so much, uh, not at night. I mean, you don't get to see a whole lot at night. But during the daytime, I mean, you can just see for miles and miles all around. It's beautiful, the perspective that being on an airplane gives you. Now, I think flying on an airplane is kind of like what Jesus is uh, speaking of here in the gospel passage for today. I'm sure that's what you were thinking as Lou was reading it, was uh, airplane flight, right? Well, hopefully by the end of the sermon, you'll be with me on this one. I even brought my snazzy prop. It's a Concorde. Anyone ever flown on one of these? I was talking to somebody in the last service who had, and they were saying it was the, they never wanted to get off. It was so cool. Do you know how fast these things go? Well, not this one. This doesn't go fast. It doesn't have engines. It's a model. But um, how fast does one of these go? Anyone know? Mach 2, that's right. 1,350 miles an hour. That's fast. That's even faster than I used to drive when I was 16. Right there, moving out. It's amazing how quickly that could get you to England. Three hours, the lady said, just over three hours from um, New York to England. Not a bad flight. And pretty comfortable, too, I hear. So, in the gospel passage for today, uh, it went down like this, right? The disciples are all together, and Jesus appears to them. <clears throat> he, gives him his, he gives them his peace, and then he shows them his hands and his side so that they can see and believe that it is him and not a ghost. Right? Because that's important. He wants his disciples to know that he, for real, has risen from the dead. They want him to know that. And they want to know that it's him. It's not his stunt double. Right? They want to know that it's really Jesus who is there with him. And then, uh, after he reassures them this, he gives them his peace again, which apparently is kind of like me. I need peace a lot. Right? So he gives it to them in two separate occasions there. And then he commissions them, saying... As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He sends out his disciples, and then he gives them the blessing of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of what was to come at Pentecost. He says to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It's amazing. The disciples who are there gathered get double peace from Jesus they get a commission to go out and serve, and a special blessing from the Holy Spirit. They get their own special preparation for ministry. It's like a life-transforming graduation ceremony. 
You know, you can imagine, dun, 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 dun. and the disciples are all sent out into the world, you know, to go and transform it through the power of Jesus' name. It is an amazing event that takes place. But there's one problem with this ceremony. Anyone know what it is? Tom is not there, that's right. Not Tom the organist, but Tom the apostle, right, is missing. Thomas is missing. We don't know why. We don't know if he went out to get chips or something, but he is not there. Thomas is not present when Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. And when he shows up and they tell him all about it, he's not happy. Thomas is not happy at all. He doubts. He's not sure of whether Jesus Christ has come back or not. Maybe he feels like he's the butt of a horrible joke. You know, that they're all like just waiting for him to believe and then they're going to laugh at him. Maybe they've got some kind of trick. You know, maybe he thinks they're, they're leading him on or doing something. They've just made up the whole thing. Or maybe he feels like they all graduated and now he's left behind to repeat a senior year. We don't know exactly what Thomas, what's going on in Thomas's mind, but he definitely does not feel like he's part of the team at this point. He does not feel like he believes that the Lord is risen, and he certainly does not feel connected to the other disciples. And so Thomas swears that he won't believe that Jesus is risen unless he has concrete proof. He says, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. How's that for black and white? Right? Thomas has laid out the, like, the evidence that he needs to believe in Jesus, that he is risen. He has set it out there before the whole group. And he waits this way for a week. A week! Do you think it was nice when the disciples all got together? You know, maybe they had tea in the afternoon or something. And then, you know, there's like, they want to talk about Jesus being back. And Thomas is there, you know, on the side saying like, whatever. You know, yeah, right, Jesus back. You know, you guys keep bringing that up. I hate it when you bring that up. Why do you always have to bring it up every time we get together? You have to bring up this and cause an argument, right? You can imagine these dynamics that were there within this group. Because who else could they hang out with? Nobody. That's right. They had just had their Messiah killed on a cross. They were not exactly popular people in, in Jerusalem at the time, right? They only had each other. And now each other was one less. Well, Judas had died. And then there was another one less, Thomas, who couldn't be a part of the group because they were of differing opinions on whether Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. A week. A week like this. Feeling isolated from the rest. Up in the air. You know, we give uh, Thomas this, this name, uh, Doubting Thomas. Anyone ever heard that one? <laughs> Doubt was not... A typical aspect of Thomas's life. We, you know, we see him doubting in this circumstance, but Thomas was not always the one who's doubting, right? In most of his life, he seems to be a man of faith. It's only in this one circumstance that he really doubts. We see in John eleven sixteen, Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, uh, when Jesus was going into this place, they thought they would all die in. Uh, Thomas said, "Let us also go that we may die with him." Sound like a doubtful kind of person to you? No, it sounds like a person of conviction, a person of intestinal fortitude, someone who's willing to step out for what he believes. And then in John 14, 5, Thomas says to Jesus, 
Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Question. And it's a valid question because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets to the Father but through me, you don't hear any more from Thomas. There's no like, well, Thomas wasn't sure if Jesus knew what he was talking about. There's none of that. Instead, Thomas, by all appearances, seems to believe. He's a man who often has faith. He asks the question, but is willing to believe when he's given an answer. But on this one issue of Jesus' resurrection, on this issue, Thomas is stuck. Everyone else has seen Jesus, but are they pulling Thomas's leg? He can't be sure. I mean, did they really see him? And why has Thomas been left out? If it was such an amazing thing, if they had this huge graduation ceremony, why wasn't Thomas there? Why didn't Jesus appear at a time that all the disciples were there instead of when Thomas happened to be out of the room? And also, why did everyone else get to forgive sins and have the gift of the Holy Spirit and he's excluded? This is a terrible place for Thomas to be stuck in. Someone who had been with Jesus his whole ministry now feels stuck on the outside. But the remarkable thing about this passage is that Jesus shows up just for Thomas. He shows up just so that Thomas can believe. And when Jesus appears before Thomas and and repeats his oath of doubt, Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Then Thomas believes. And he shouts out, My Lord and my God. He's seen his proof. His questions have been answered. And he is able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. All doubt has passed away. Thomas has arrived. Now there is one more amazing part of this account. And that is the final sentence we have in this gospel passage. John says to us, These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Who do you think that you is that he's referring to? Us. That's right. These are written so that you, so that all of us, may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, we may have life in his name. The point of recording all of this is so that you and I will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And that through believing, we'll have life in Jesus. This was written thousands of years ago for us, for you and me. With the purpose that right up on the tail of this Doubting Thomas story... Right up on the tail of this story of doubt and uncertainty that you and I might believe. We see Thomas go from doubt doubt to faith. And that is the path that John is inviting us to join in with Jesus Christ. To go from doubt to faith. These are written so that we may believe. Now I've been flying on an airplane since I was an infant. And there's a trend I've noticed in airline flights. And that is, you take off, and then what happens at the end? You land. You land, that's right. Absolutely. Complicated questions here at church on Sunday. That's right. You take off and you land. Uh, How useful is it with an airline that takes off and just stays up there? Not so useful, right? I mean, it it might be, uh, you know, a nice view, or you might get some nice airline food, which we all love, if you can afford it. Um, 
But there's no point in an aircraft that just takes off and never lands. I mean, it's not designed to do that. Aircraft were designed to take off, but they were also designed to land again eventually. Their primary purpose that we use them for is to get somewhere, right? To get to a destination. And I think that doubt is a lot like an airplane, right? From 30,000 feet, you can see a lot, can't you? You know, you can just see miles and miles and miles. You can see with amazing clarity, and you can put locations together and see them in ways that you can't necessarily on the ground, right? You can see, oh, look, on the other side of that mountain is another lake that I never knew was over there. And it's amazing that I can see it from up here. But you can't live in the air. There's no life up there. And also, things in the air look different than they are on the ground. Right? Has anyone ever flown over Nebraska? Right? There's not a whole lot you see, is there? But is there more to Nebraska when you land on the ground than what you see in the air? The people in the first service said no. <laughs> but there is. There is, right? Because on the ground, what's there? People. That's right. So there's people, there's relationship, there's love, there's identity, there's food, there's, um, you know, there's family, there's belonging. There's all these kind of things that don't exist in the air. The air is a time of indecision. The air is a time of moving to another place. But we, we weren't designed to live in the air. We're designed to live on the ground. We're designed to live with people in relationship knowing who we are and who they are, and loving one another. The Gospel of John was written to direct us to a landing. It was, to, it was written to guide us on our final approach. And it was designed to help us to find the best location ever, to help us to land in faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Gospel of John is for. Thomas was hung up on not trusting that Jesus has risen, and this prevented him from sharing in his friend's joy. What is there that's holding us back from belief? I mean, we might not, we might not even have taken the first step yet, that first step of trusting that the Lord Jesus Christ is who he says he is. That might be the step we're waiting to take today, that we're hung up on. Or maybe we're years, we're, we've passed that a long time ago. But we're looking for, but Christ is calling us to something in our lives that we're feeling not quite so sure of. A deeper depth of relationship with him. Another step out in faith. Maybe to reach out and to, to help somebody who's going through a hard time in their life. Or maybe there's some addiction, some pain in our life we've been holding on to that we can't seem to let go of. Some fear that is holding us back. Christ is inviting us to land today to set down our wheels and get out of that aircraft and come and be in relationship with him, to follow him to that new place, to trust him that he is good, he is faithful, and he will speak to us. There's no problem with doubt. Doubting is a very good thing, but we were not designed to live in doubt, just as we're not designed to live up in the air. We're designed to get somewhere through our doubt to have our doubt arrive at a destination. And my prayer for us is that we would be people who would ask questions, that we would investigate, that we would pray, that we would seek God's will and whether you know he is who he says he is, 
that we would use all our mental faculties to do that, but that eventually we would land, and that that place that we would land would be a place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused this gospel to be written for us, who has caused these words of faith to be shared with us, so that you and I might believe, and so that in believing, we might have life. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that you offer us life in your name. I pray that you would help us to believe, Lord. Help us to believe and follow you. Lord, and if we're hung up in our following of you somewhere along this journey, give us the faith, Lord, to get beyond that barrier that's in our way. Lord, may we trust you to be good. May we lay ourselves at the foot of your cross, Lord, and offer ourselves up to you. And I pray that you would pick us up, Lord, that you would hold us as a loving father, and that you would guide us as we pursue you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.